Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome again to Timberlake. It is so good to see you. My name is Shane. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say hello as well to all of our campuses and those of you watching online. I actually was not supposed to be speaking today, but last night, Pastor Ben lost his voice. So you can be praying for him this morning, and you can be praying for me this morning uh, for the next about 20 minutes. Would appreciate that. Uh, Well, we're in the middle of a series called Resurgence, talking about taking ground in your life and leadership and faith, walking through the book of Titus. And the last two weeks, we've been talking about living faith forward, taking leadership in the sphere of influence that God has given you or that God wants you to step into. And this weekend, I'm going to be looking at confronting head-on a barrier that can exist towards authentic faith, and that is bad religion. Bad religion. A few years ago, I was on a plane to Atlanta with some of our staff and ministry leaders. We were headed towards a conference, and we were spread out throughout the plane. Everyone was in different spots. I was sitting on an aisle seat, and and then Pastor Ben was sitting on the aisle seat next to me. And we were about an hour into the flight, and I look over, and and Pastor Ben's watching a TV show on his laptop. I think he's catching up on episodes of the Gilmore Girls or something like that. And, uh, and so I look over at the, the other person next to me, and it's this like probably guy in his 40s, average looking guy, and he has a laptop, um, a tablet out, and he's reading what looks like a training manual. And so, of course, I start reading it with him, and uh, it looks like he's headed towards some kind of spiritual retreat. It was called like the Mankind Project. And, and he must be a, a leader or a counselor because what he's reading is a training manual on different exercises to lead people through. And so me and him were reading through this training manual together and, and he flips through the pages and, and here's some of the stuff that it said. It said, when, when all of the men first arrive, so I found out it's like a man-only event, it said that to gather the people in a circle and have them begin to play a drum beat. Identify men with good rhythm and give them the drums, and then let the men take turn making animal noises. So it's starting to get a little weird, but I'm still kind of into it. And so we read on. It says, and then have each of the men call out what animal they most identify with. I'm thinking panda bear for myself. So then he flips over a couple pages, and, and I'm not making this up. And another exercise that says, once it's dark, Lead all the men out into the woods and put them in a trance. Speak to them in a whisper voice and have them close their eyes. And then he flips over and on the top of the next page it says, all of the men may not feel comfortable taking off all their clothes. (laughs) Now at this point, I put on my headphones and make sure our legs don't touch for the rest of the flight. The first warning sign of bad religion, it's not in your fill-in sheet, but it should be. They try to get you to take off your clothes. 
all right? Put that one down, remember it for later, warning sign, all right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm joking around, but the reality is these men that were on this retreat, they were searching for something. They were looking for something. And the truth is, is that we are all searching for something. We're searching for meaning. We're searching for significance. We're searching for connection or community. We're searching for acceptance. And the problem is, is that we can get tripped up along the way. In the book of Titus this week, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul is pretty brutally straightforward, and we'll look at the why behind that in a moment, but here's what we read in Titus 1.10. You can follow along on the screen or in the note sheet in your program. It says, for there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. Paul is telling Titus that he needs to bring a course correction to the people that he's leading. If you study the the last half of Titus chapter 1, you'll notice that Paul addresses three specific groups. Those who had a a Jesus and gospel, where, where you need Jesus and something else to be saved, to be in relationship with God, to get to heaven. For them, it was circumcision. Then there were people who had their own design of faith based most likely on the Greek mythology that they were raised in. And so they're sort of intermixing things from different religions and different cultures into Christianity. And then there were the secularists who had their own set of rules and morals and guidelines, but they were really disconnected from any faith at all. And Paul basically says that all three of those are bad religion. So what does a bad religious experience look like, and where does it come from? Ultimately, it starts from our own worst impulses. You see, we all have the impulse to feel good about ourselves, and that's a good thing. The problem is, is when it's disconnected from Jesus in a religious context, oftentimes it can lead to comparison and control. And for some of us, those two words, comparison and control, would would define a, a religious experience that maybe we had in the past or something we saw or something that we tried to avoid. Comparison and control. It also is always detached from biblical truth. One of the great promises of Scripture is, is that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when religion isn't connected to the truth found in Scripture, it always leads down a dangerous path. And then it creates an us and them culture. There are only people who agree with us and people who don't. And you might say that that's true of Christianity. To a point, while there are anchor points in our faith, ultimately the message of Christianity and the message of Jesus is even people who don't agree with us, even people who don't like us, that God loves them and wants a relationship with them just as much as he wants a relationship with us. You see, ultimately, bad religion offers no real hope. There's no hope. You see, there are fundamental questions that all of us have. As humans, there are questions that we each bump up against at one point or another in our lives. And it's a really big deal to be able to answer these questions or at least interact with them 
with a clear head and grasping the truth. Is there life after this one? How can I be forgiven? Is there some good evidence that can turn a leap of faith into a step of faith? What is my purpose? Can I get a fresh start? Can I make progress in my faith and in my life? You see, these are such important questions, and that's why the Apostle Paul writes this in Titus 1.9. Hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. You see, Paul knows more than most the, the power of getting it right and the pain of getting it wrong. You see, Paul lived part of his life away from the gospel. He had rejected Jesus, rejected the truth, because he felt like it was too good to be true. And he went down a path that led to pain and regret. And then God got a hold of his life and transformed his heart and his mind and his faith. And he committed the rest of his life to trying to help other people in their spiritual path as well. And my hope is that, that you're here and that you're on the right track. And if that's the case, then this message is meant to help you to look out for some pitfalls and landmines along the way. Yet for some of us that are here, we would say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm, I'm on the track. I've gotten off track, or maybe I've never been able to find the track in the first place. And if that's you, I think that the words of the Apostle Paul to Titus will be especially helpful for you this morning as we explore bad religion and ultimately as we explore how do we get back to authentic faith. Four things I wrote down. The first is this. Number one, fight spiritual distractions and sideshows. I was at the movies uh, years ago when I was younger and it was about halfway through the movie and all of a sudden... I had to go to the bathroom really bad. The problem was I didn't want to miss the end of the movie. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. Has that happened to anybody in a movie? Come, don't lie. That, okay, we've all been to a movie. This happened to, we're in church. Please don't lie. That's happened to all of us, right? You're in a movie. You got to go to the bathroom, and you don't want to miss the movie. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait it out. Horrible idea. I was so distracted by having to, I don't even remember the end of the movie. Finally, the credits roll, I jump out of my seat, I'm speed walking through the lobby, I make it into the bathroom, I'm walking past the stalls because I don't have time for a stall, I need to find a urinal, sorry ladies, and I go past the stalls and then I hit a wall. And I turn around and all I see is just stalls all around me. And so I'm thinking, of course, they took out all the urinals and replaced them with stalls. Like, this is a horrible idea. Why? I'm getting angry at the movie theater for doing this until I hear the voices of the ladies walking in to the ladies' bathroom, and I realize I'm in the wrong place. Now, hopefully that has never happened to you yet, but the reality is we've all been distracted, right? And what happens when we're distracted? We run into things. We, we miss our exit on the freeway. We end up in the wrong place. We go to the wrong place. And ultimately, in the same way that this happens in simple, silly ways in life, this can really happen in our faith experience as well. And what happens is there are distractions in our faith and things that we want to focus in on and, and zero in on, and we get so consumed by them. And what happens is, is simple distractions lead to different destinations that we are trying to go to. 
And for some of us, that would describe a season or maybe a series of seasons in our life where you were so consumed about a certain thing that you missed out on some bigger things along the way. And so Paul addresses this. In Titus, it says this, For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk. You see, in the New Testament, and particularly in the part that we're looking at this weekend in Titus, there were all of these distractions to the message of Jesus. Some well-intentioned, some not. Some good things and some bad things. But all of them were sort of muddying the water of faith and making it difficult for people to come to faith. One of the primary lies of these false teachers went something like this, that Jesus is good, but he's not quite enough. You need to do it yourself. You have to keep the, keep the right rules and follow the right laws. And there was all these lists of things that people need to accomplish. And you had to keep yourself in check. And God was good, but he wasn't really necessary for salvation. And ultimately it came about being a, a good person and following the rules and making sure you never messed up. And that was the path to heaven. And it really led to this very empty religious experience where there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of hiding and not a lot of actual transformation. And unfortunately, that can happen in today's world as well. You see, when you commit yourself to Christ, when you say, God, take all of my life, take the good and the bad and, and the past and the present and the future, everything I'm proud of and everything I'm ashamed of and everything that nobody knows about me and if they did, I'd be embarrassed. When you say, God, I give that all to you, what happens is, is God comes in and he gives us a clean slate and a fresh start and there's forgiveness and hope and healing that comes into our lives. And God is able to do a work in and through our lives towards salvation that we could never do on our own. And those good things that we do and those good works are not something that earn us salvation, they're a result of the relationship of God that we have. The relationship is given freely and it's a result of that relationship that leads us to wanting to hopefully be a better human being. But being a better human being has nothing to do with earning us that relationship or forgiveness or salvation in the first place. God brings a fresh start into our lives when we simply come to him. It's like, uh, remember when you were a kid playing with the Etch-A-Sketch? I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but there's like the two little uh, handles and you turn them and it makes the lines and you make the, the drawings and then you mess up and you want to start over. And so what do you do? You shake it, right? And then what happens? It all goes away. All the lines disappear and you get a fresh start to draw again. And that is what God does in our lives. One of the most important words in the book of Romans is the word justified. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for us so that we could be justified. The word justified is a theological term and it simply means just as if I'd never sinned. So God starts all over, he cleans the slate. And as a church, we are very intentional about helping people to grab hold of authentic faith. Now part of that is not getting distracted by bad theology. And part of that is number two, knowing that wacky doesn't mean spiritual. Wacky doesn't mean spiritual. How many of you would say you have at least one sort of out there wacky spiritual friend? 
right? Could be in Christianity, could be a different religion. Raise your hand. You got the wacky spiritual friend, okay? For those of us not raising our hand, if you'd say, I do not have a wacky spiritual friend, you may be the wacky spiritual friend. And so just sort of be aware of that. Now, I'm not talking about passion, people who are, who are passionate about their faith and want people to know about it. Passion is a great thing. I'm not talking about dedication, being dedicated, letting Christianity, letting your faith permeate your whole life. That is a good thing. What I'm talking about is where, where, where people feel this, this need to be on the fringe, this need to, to do new things, where, where they let mysticism sort of creep into their faith and their theology, and it's all about the new thing and the weird thing and the being out there thing and looking for that next spiritual high. And Paul talks about these people. He says this, pay no attention to Jewish myths. You see, there's a group of people, and there always is, that believed that to be spiritual and to really connect with God, it needed to be weird and extreme and difficult. But ultimately, in a pursuit to connect with God more, what that tends to do is actually drive people away from God in the process. I drove by a church the other day, and they had a sign out front that said that the next weekend they were doing pet blessings. So it sounds like the, the next weekend, everybody could bring their pets to church, and everybody's just sort of sitting there with all their pets, and then the church was going to bless the pets. Now, I don't know what their intentions were for this, but it just seemed a little uh, unnecessary to me. Then I got to thinking that it could be sort of interesting to watch, Right? So you got everybody's bringing their pets to church. You got somebody with their pet cat sitting next to somebody with their pet boa constrictor. And just sort of seeing the interactions could be kind of fun. But ultimately, there's things that can happen that can just get in the way of spirituality. Just because it's loud, just because it's showy, doesn't mean that it's spiritual. And yet there's a counterbalance reality on the other side that's important to remember as well. And that's number three. Embrace that uncomfortable doesn't mean untrue. In the same way that wacky doesn't mean spiritual, uncomfortable doesn't always mean untrue. And for some of us, we've sort of put up some walls in our faith in areas that make us uncomfortable. And we say, you know what, those are off limits. If I'm not comfortable with it, it must not be true. And that's just not the case. And this is really important for us to grasp because sometimes God wants to do something in our lives or through our lives. God wants to teach us something or work something out in our faith or, or even in practical ways. And sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes God would want to push us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God would want us to, to develop in some ways that maybe aren't part of our past or something that we haven't experienced or familiar with something that maybe we can't logically understand or define. And in those moments, we have a choice. Do we sort of push away? Do we hold God at a distance? Do we say, you know what, at this point in my life, I have sort of a spiritual box, and everything in my faith needs to be filtered through that box. And only things can come in that I'm comfortable with. Do we limit our spiritual growth? Or do we say, you know what, instead of pulling away, I'm going to lean in in this season, and I'm going to be open to maybe how the Holy Spirit would want to speak and work in my life today, and how he would want to teach me some things now. Is your faith active and growing? 
Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's untrue. In Paul's days, much like in ours, there was a group trying to mix a form of secularism with faith, and it's to those people that Paul writes about them. And he says this, he says, or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. Later he says, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in their faith. Check this out, he says, rebuke them sharply, which sounds sort of harsh, until you look at the reason why. So that people will find real faith. You see, there's a balance in this. Maybe you settled too long ago for a Jesus and faith, where you felt like Jesus isn't enough, I need to attach something else to it. It could be something that you, you learned growing up in your faith tradition. It could be something that was self-imposed, where you just felt like, you know what, that, yeah, there's Jesus, and yeah, I get that there's grace and hope and healing through that, but I also have to fill in the blank. And you've sort of comboed that together. Or maybe for you, you've had a reductionist worldview where you say, just because it's outside of my ability to define and understand, it must not be true. And for you, maybe there's been aspects of your faith or your salvation where you've said, you know what, I struggle with that because I can't fully define it. For us, ultimately, that leads to the most important aspect of getting beyond bad religion. And that's number four. Take your own spiritual temperature. Take your own spiritual temperature. Air Force pilots are taught something called an OODA loop. O-O-D-A loop. An OODA loop. You can imagine that if you are a combat pilot, that things can get a little disorienting sometimes. Trying to figure out which way's up, where you're headed, where the enemy is, what's going on. And so they teach them this loop. Observe, orient, decide, act. Observe, orient, decide, act. Observe, orient, decide, act. Because ultimately, until I know where I am in relation to everything else, it's hard to find direction. It's hard to know where to go. Here at Timberlake, we talk about it in terms of, of a red dot moment. If you've ever been to a new mall or a place you've never been, you walk up to one of those big walls, right, and there's a map on it. And it's a whole map of the place where all the stores are and the restaurants and the restrooms and all of that. And ultimately, it's good, but it's really not helpful at all until you find the red dot. And what does the red dot mean? It's where you are. It's got that little sign that says, you are here. And once you know where you are, then you can figure out where you want to go and create a path to get there. Ultimately, you can have a red dot moment in your faith as well. It's where you just take a moment and take your own spiritual temperature and just say, God, how am I doing in my faith? And the purpose of this isn't so that you can feel bad or feel good. The purpose is not so you can compare to someone else and their faith journey. The purpose is that so that you can simply say, okay, here's where I am. And when you know where you are, you can find path forward. Our red dot moment is where we fearlessly define our current reality. It's where we don't focus on our past or, or what happened to us, but we say, okay, where am I at today? We ask the fundamental question, God, how are we doing? Have you ever asked that question? God, how are we doing? And then be open to what the answer could look like. Paul points out in the midst of a fear-based 
pagan culture, a rules-based religious culture, a grasping at straws secular culture, that real transformational faith emanates from where we are living in relationship with God and walking out our faith on a daily basis. He makes this sober assessment. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. So what do I do if I ask the question, God, how are we doing? And the answer comes back, not great. I've had those moments and those seasons in my life where I've maybe been spiritually distant or spiritually dry, and I've just done a check-in. God, how are we doing? And, And honestly, it's not great. And what I've come to discover is those are very important moments in my life and faith. Because if we can be brutally honest and assess where we're at, it really can be the starting point to getting back to or beginning an authentic faith journey and really moving into a spiritual season that's better than anything you've experienced before. I want to close with a few important scriptures that I want to read. And I would encourage you to write these down or or take your notes with you and read and think through these this week. This is a promise to each one of us, no matter when or where we find ourselves at in life. Here's what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It goes on to say, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then finally in 2 Corinthians, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. As we're talking about bad religion, I don't know what that looks like in your life, in your faith journey. I don't know if there were some things in your past that, that, that caused some hurt or some pain that made you want to be a little bit distant or guarded. I don't know if it's maybe some baggage that you've brought with you, but I do know that there is always a path forward. There's always hope. There's always healing. And there's always a time to say, you know what? There there, there were some things in the past, but I'm not going to bring them into the future. And they may have marked my past, but they're not going to define my future. And there may be some pruning I need to do, maybe some things I need to let go, some grace I need to receive, where I'm not going to get distracted by things that aren't the main thing. I'm going to focus on Jesus and the message of hope and grace, and I'm going to take that, and I'm going to let that affect the rest of my life, and let that help me to be a positive impact in the people around me in my world. Whatever you think the barrier between you and God is, just know that Jesus took care of that on the cross. And as we end the message today, I want to end in communion to remind us and focus our hearts on Jesus. Whether it's opposition from the outside, the the troublemakers that we talked about in week one, Jesus is enough. Or maybe it's an internal struggle with sin or something that you're dealing with personally like we talked about last weekend. Jesus is enough. Or maybe for you it's about this, this need for control in your life and you've sort of been playing God 
Jesus is enough for you too. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.